to Scanner Conversations with Lena and Bernard. Are you a scanner is the question. So I can never stick to anything. I know I should focus on one thing, but which one? I lose interest in things I thought would interest me forever. I keep going off another tangent. I get bored as soon as I know how to do something. I can't stand to do anything twice. I keep changing my mind about what I want to do and end up by doing nothing. I work at low-paying jobs because there's nothing I'm willing to commit to. I won't choose a career path because it might be the wrong one. I think everyone's put on this earth to do something. Everyone but me. That's it. I can't pay attention unless I'm doing many things at once. I pull away from what I'm doing because I'm afraid I will miss something better. I'm too busy. But when I do find time, I can't remember what I wanted to do. Or the last question, I'll never be an expert in anything. I feel like I'm always in a survey class. If you ever said these things to yourself, chances are good that you're a scanner. So welcome to Scanner Conversations. So my name is Lena and, and my name is Bernard. And we're going to have some interesting conversations as we are both scanners and we're going to lead you through different conversations on different topics. And what is very interesting is that Lena is uh, maybe 30 years younger than me and she's already recognized that she's a scanner. But I've only just realized I've been a closet scanner most of my life. And so we're on different kinds of journeys into discovering what scanners are and turning the negativity part of scanners into something positive. So maybe I can say something about how I came across scanners because I listened to a podcast and also had read it through Barbara Share. So literally what scanners are is what I just read before, but there are two personality types like on a broad spectrum. So one is the scanner personality. So this kind of includes of what I just pretty much said um, and read to you just before. And the other personality um, type is divers. So divers is pretty much exactly the opposite of the scanner. So divers, they go just really deep in one topic. So let's say coffee. They would grow coffee, they study coffee, they look at the beans, they're making coffee, they're maybe ending up having a cafe. So they're just completely, like for 60 years, they're just studying coffee to death as a topic example. Why scanners are interested, if you haven't realized it yet, in a lot of different things. So you could, for example, write a book while traveling through India and also do some Aboriginal painting at the same time trying to do some wine testing and you possibly have also experienced that you're going to work in several jobs that could be working in a shelter only with cats in an IT company to then being a massage therapist for example and making short films on the side as well and just then maybe also you're going to do some waitressing and cooking on the side for your neighbor that pays you for your catering services, for example. So 
I guess all the scanners that are interested in this topic, I guess they already identified themselves of what we're talking about. And it's very easy to be envious of, for scanners at least, very envious of people they recognize as divers. And one example of this is my own daughter, who is very much a diver, and I find it intriguing that having a father who is a scanner to have had a daughter who is so much of a diver, I was somewhat jealous of her commitment. So she came to me when she was 14 and said, I want to be an architect. And I smiled and said, that's really nice, dear, fully expecting that that would not stay with her at all. And I was completely wrong. Uh, being a classic diver, she never, ever considered anything else. And I just saw from 14 right through to university, a single ambition never doubted her original choice, became an architect, is a, is a really good one, enjoys it, loves it, and is completely committed to her career. And all of the time I'm watching this with great envy. And I think maybe people who are envious of people who appear to be very decisive about their careers, and they look at themselves and they realize that they just keep jumping from one idea to the next and they get interested in everything and they want to be skillful at everything. After a while you can feel helplessly dragged along by this crazy uh, indecisiveness. But really what Lena and I are doing here is trying to see that as a positive. And, uh, and you just explained a character that's a kind of a blend of you and me in the, all of those interests, massage therapy, filmmaking, the whole bit is what we're kind of immersed in at the moment. So we kind of think we're very experienced at being scanners and we're going to try and tease out what it's like to be a scanner and how to get the most out of it. Well, I think that it's definitely, oh, that scanners absolutely have and I firstly think it's like amazing that there's this mix of people on this earth because if you wouldn't have a scanner, there would be a lot of jobs that couldn't be filled either because scanners like to, I think to some degree for me, it's like that whatever idea I had, I was doing, it was great to be supported by my scanner personality on getting a, literally any job to just support my ideas that I had or to be free. I read in one article that it's mostly like when people work somewhere in an office and someone is really versatile and is a scanner personality and can actually adapt to like so many different subjects and, and opportunities. I think scanners definitely have a massive opportunity also. There is like this openness and there's like this amazingness in a scanner to literally just give everything a go and really see where it goes and I, I think they're mainly like massive learners to some degree where I guess it's often driven as well by being keen in new things, being interested and want to know different kind of areas to suss out. But do you, do you ever felt like you were unhappy of being that way or did you ever feel like that you were wrong um, on this earth being 
like having multiple well interests? i i think i came to realize scanning when i retired from my work um although now that i look back i can see that trait in me all the time um and i am renowned for being this person who never asks anyone for help and i think the reason that that's my personality type is because every time i wanted to do something if i didn't know how to do it i decided i will learn it myself so i wouldn't go and ask somebody can you help me uh, make a picture frame i would just go oh i need to know how to do picture framing and i'd go and do it and once i had pretty well mastered that i go oh okay i suppose maybe now i should take pictures that i can put in the frames and so i would jump from one thing to the other but it was always driven by this idea that i had to do all of the jobs myself and then but i always found everything very interesting so but i mean isn't it driven mostly by curiosity you would say for yourself it probably is curiosity there's almost nothing i'm not really quite interested in and i think uh, it, this might have been an, a reaction against the family i was brought up with my my father worked for the commonwealth government public servant so that was pretty much a career you got into it after he got into it after the war you were really lucky if you had the job they had great superannuation and you stayed with it but i observed that he was not a happy man he really had a lot of other interests his father was a plumber carpenter who made really nice furniture and i lived in my little room out in the bungalow right next to my grandfather's workshop so i had access to all his tools and i wanted to learn everything my grandfather knew and then i went when i went to university i did a degree i really didn't think too much about but being kind of responsible i worked at it but i nearly snapped at that career and went overseas and traveled because there was something wrong so i never analyzed it enough to realize what my personality really was and what i could do but i developed this kind of belief that i think i could do anything i decided i wanted to do but i couldn't decide what it was and now that i'm i'm retired and i can do anything i want I'm just reveling in the whole idea of oh I need to do that. I think we can do everything at any time all our lives. It's just more the conditioning I think that we believe in. For me it's actually interesting that there's actually a word out. I mean I'm so thankful for Barbara share and I I guess it possibly helps a lot of people because for me it was like I guess I accepted myself at one stage but I knew for example when I lived in Germany and I studied social education it would just like terrify me to think okay now I'm just going to do this the rest of my life and even if this is already like a super creative job where you can literally work in different fields and you can decide a lot of creative things that you do or at least in in my opinion and and then when I came to Australia I think it gave me like this massive freedom of that I I was like cool so even if i work at wicked campus in a camper van hire place and like i clean vans you know i can still earn in fact i earned more money than as a social education person in germany 
uh, for less hours and I was like wow this is amazing so I couldn't literally do anything and then I guess like through my relationship with my partner back then and also the freedom that Australia still has I think it really brought me to the awareness and to the pure acceptance this time that hey you know what it's actually okay that you're like interested in many things and in fact it's actually pretty cool that you're interested in different things because that means you're like a curious person like you want to learn you you enrich in the the world you know with your knowledge like you you want to know things um, and you can I think the the most profound thing is that you can literally adapt in my opinion as a scanner to any situation that comes towards you you know and you can make the best out of the situation if you really accept your whole potential as a person that you have and that you trust in yourself and and I think important is also for scanners or I mean for, for every human being but like literally to go with the flow you know and just um see what comes and I think that's so important for humans in general I think divers are more people that possibly who knows why they know what they want to do but I guess they have like a main passion that they're really passionate about and that they truly love so they might find the love of their lives and they know what they want and they have goals why scanners might be possibly also more people that um yeah literally are a bit more versatile you know I'm just like thinking about back to tribes maybe from a evolution point of view it's possibly also important that you have this to different people of one personality that is really dedicated to one thing you know and that makes literally the best sword or the best tool and then others that have because I, I think scanners mainly also have a good overview of what's happening you know they may be not super deep in a computer program but they might gonna have a really great overview what's happening in an office or what everyone is doing or what, what's actually wrong because you have a broader opinion and like a, a broader a wider spectrum of seeing things differently and and seeing different positions where divers then possibly would more only see the one program they're working with and and so I think even evolutionary wise it's I guess quite important that there are these different personality types. Was there a time when you were a little bit lost uh, and dissatisfied with your inability to choose something and stick with it? Yeah I think when I when I when I study that's what I mean it's um, I applied for three jobs in Germany I remember this and I was like it like already being in that office back then like I was meant to work with teenagers that actually didn't find a job and help them to get back on their feet which in general was a great idea but the, I think the knowing of that I'm going to be locked into this now for 45 hours a week and that there's no freedom no like opportunity to literally just be free and do what you want and I think like it, it is often seen that no you can't do that or like you can't be free or what do you think who you are that you think like you can just do every different day of what you wanted what you want to do you know and I think and that was the point where I'm like but I can't do it I, I just can't I, it's just like 
it kills me right away. It was like cutting my, my air of breathing. Um, okay, I have to trust myself. I just, this is not on yet. I can't do this right now. So I, I, I'm just going to go with my heart. So I actually lived for three months with a group of nuns. Yeah, so even if I'm not such a great fan, I think, of the church as an institution anymore of what I have seen and where I've worked. But it was a good kind of jumping board, or however you want to say this, or like trampoline to jump from one thing to another in regards to that. I then walked this pilgrimage in Spain that I always wanted to do. And um, it just so opened up my mind of being free and that you can literally live with so less material things. You can walk for four weeks with six kilos on your back. And in the end of the day, the most important thing is that you're like healthy, that you sleep, that you eat. And the connections with other people of feeling supportive, you know. And I think after I learned this, I sold a lot of things. And then it was clear for me to go somewhere else outside of Germany. And then I was meant to go to America and the visa didn't work out. And my friend said why don't you go to Australia? It's like 15 minutes on the internet, the visa and stuff, you know, and I remember this still and thinking, wow, you know, I have been always the worst in English. Even if I thought with six years that um, I would be the best in English because I could sing an entire Billy Idol CD. Well, I thought I could going through this visa still. And I was like so German and be like, hopefully everything is right and okay, you know. And then I came to Australia and my partner and I back then, we traveled around with a camper van for nine months. And I think I was so like fighting, I think, for my freedom of fighting in a way of being judged from others who were telling me constantly this was not possible. And I think like pushing the boundaries of knowing that everything is literally possible, what you put your mind to and that you can go nine months with a camper van around Australia and you will survive and you will make amazing experiences, even if I didn't know what was coming ahead. And um, that you learn so much about humans and countries and what you were asking. I think like, yeah, I had like massive doubts, but I think because my mom always told me you can do whatever you want, you know, I'm, I'm totally behind you, whatever you want to do. And I think that gave me always the mindset of that. I think just pretty much, you know, fulfilling my um, my dri my drive in me. And I mean, today, okay, I work in an office, but I'm also a massage therapist, and I studied social education, and I'm involved in a lot of social projects. But at the same time, I have also my security in my office job. But I still was saying to my friend today that I have such a freedom still in this office job because it's a startup. We all from different nations, we all kind of crazy. My boss is like this amazing entrepreneur that, you know, has like this business growing. And as long as the shifts are covered and we're there and everyone writes their hours down that they are working, if you get hourly pay, everything is smooth. And I think that being in a position like this, where I think I also fought for myself to be that free is so like I feel so privileged and it's like such an amazing feeling to to be in and it sounds like to me, I'm, I've just noticed a common thread your mother told you you could do anything yeah now my mother never told me that but she showed me that mm. and she was this extraordinary woman who was extremely humble but 
if you said anything like, oh, you can't do that, she just absolutely went and did it. It was like, you provide the challenge and she will do it. And I observed this all through my childhood was this woman who just did anything she wanted to. She never doubted her ability to do anything. And but, but never is, she yeah. didn't brag about it or anything like that. She just went, oh, so I need to take the steering column out of your car and get the spline fixed. Well, I've never done that before, but I'm sure I can. And then I got home from university and she had done it and she had never done it before in her life. And the car was back together and I could drive it the next day. And I just looked at her and went, what? And she said, well, it can't be that difficult. And, and then she would go on and do some dressmaking thing. She, she once got a suit coat from a, a local uh, men's tailor. She convinced them that she was a seamstress and could do alterations on men's suits. She'd never done one in her life before. And I got home and she was out in the sewing room with arms out of the suit, the stuffings all over the place. She looks totally terrified. And I said, what have you done? And she said, I don't know yet, but just go away. It'll be okay in the morning. And when I got up in the morning, the suit was back together. She'd nipped and tucked it so it fitted and she delivered it back. And that was the start of her career, doing all the alterations for this menswear store. And she never told them ever that she had never done it before and from that day on there were men's suits hanging up in the sewing room and she was doing a part-time job that was the kind of confidence and I think I saw this and I thought well if you can do that so can I uh, but it wasn't conscious and so I never realized that I could be the same but I was always impressed by it but I got caught in the male thing which is men have to have a career they have to do go to university decide what they want to do be stable do the job and I did but I got I had one opportunity one window where after I did my degree and worked for four years I dumped it all I resigned there was something wrong I didn't know what it was but I resigned and I went traveling and I noticed just before you were talking about travel was the thing that made you suddenly realize that you could do anything. So you came to Australia, which is pretty brave. Then you went traveling around Australia in a camper van and, and you just sort of, well, why not? My epiphany was I had reached a point with my career that I just realized I shouldn't be doing this. And I went off to Europe for 18 months and wandered around by myself. I wonder if it's the travel, going to other places in the world, surviving, getting into dangerous situations, coming out the other end of it. You develop a belief in your own ability to handle whatever comes at you, even if it's never come at you before. And so you get a confidence. Uh, when I came back to Australia, I was still lost, but maybe what I did from then on was the start of me realizing and living a scanner life but, but i think it's such an amazing conversation we have now because i personally think that the generation anyway from your mom i've said this a few times i'm so sad that this generation is dying away because they were so resourceful and i think partly because they had to because 
when you suffer or when you're really in need of money, you know, um, because of the war or whatever happened back then, I think you become really resourceful in you just getting at anything because you just need to, because you just, I don't know, you need to garden because no one can't, can deliver food right now. So you have to give it a go. But like, I think what made me aware now of what you were saying about your mom is that literally it's so true of how we limit ourselves because if she fixes a car of course she can because at one stage someone put this whole thing together that was a human being why couldn't you then the same as with crocheting or sewing yeah of course someone has has done this otherwise you wouldn't wear anything so why couldn't you you know i think it's just you don't have to go to school and train and train yourself i mean okay today we have like so many resources anyway you can learn literally anything on a youtube video if you want but um i, I think the essence of this is that like what I just what was so clear in my face now is it, it's really like it doesn't matter I mean you can just make a backpack tomorrow you know just sit down and work it out and I think partly as well or not partly wholly as well is that like it's such a massive satisfaction when you actually give it a go and it works out in the end and you created something. I've read a few times that creation is still something that fulfills a human being so much. And I think I totally agree because something that you create that comes out of yourself, or let's say, even if you start something, you know, and you want to make a backpack, doesn't need to look like the one you have already, but like giving it a go and going with the flow and see what you would like. And I think like in the process, you figure out, Oh, I might just want to have a bag here or, a zip there you know and then in the end you have a product and you just you're just like loving it and and I think like I was thinking about our van because I remember we had some rust on the roof and my partner back then was like we can't fix that and I'm like of course we can fix it you know and he's like I don't think we can and I'm like I know we can because we're just simply gonna you know pull the silicon out like sand it all back then um, fiberglass it and then pretty much just you know like patch it all up sanded and then we're going to get a color match in a spray can and just spray it and we did and in the end like inside as well we filled it and we like made it nice and clean and in the end apart from so we fixed the van we sold it for more and we had such a satisfaction out of it because and I think specifically him as well because I had more the idea than he had more the passion of doing it and was such a satisfaction in the end I think to see that it was actually working and you can actually fix things and you can do anything you like and I think it's such a good skill. I wonder if um, actually the, the the way we bring children up these days which is is kind of pack them in cotton wool uh, and protect them against everything and praise them for whatever they are or whatever I remember when we were kids, we probably at six or seven disappeared for the whole day. We we were we went to a suburb in, around the bay. Our house was the first house in the street. The street wasn't made; it was deep sand. We had to hack a, a, a gap in the tea tree to build the house. Now, my mother was I don't know twenty three or something like that. 
um, and all of a sudden she got married and was uh, taken to this suburb and isolated, entirely isolated. Um, she had to push the prams up for a nearly two kilometre walk to the shops and all of this sort of stuff. She just developed this kind of, I guess that's where it came from, her resilience was, well, I'm in this situation, I have to make the best of it. And she was, she was really excellent at it. And then our grandparents came to stay because they got too old. And, and that, was, that was around about when I got polio. So I was unable to move. I was strapped into this frame. And my grandfather often looked after me. And because he was making furniture in the workshop, my mother, when she went out shopping, would bring me in in my frame and lean me against the wall. And for the whole afternoon, I would sit and watch my grandfather make furniture. And he would just talk to me. And I was completely immobilised. I was unable to move, and all I could do was watch. And so when I think about it now, I was watching a man making things. And he would chatter away to me all the time and just tell me what he was doing. But I was, I was between 11, one year old and three years old, so I probably couldn't even understand what he was saying. But over that whole period of time, I simply observed a man who never doubted his ability to do anything. And now we're just talking about it, and I'm thinking, I saw a whole lot of stuff that would affect the way I saw what I could do in the world. My grandfather was my, that grandfather was my father's father, and then I had this mother who was similar in many ways. So by observation, I simply saw the world as they conducted themselves. And, uh, and, but my father's world was different. Uh, he, was, he would go to the city every day, I never saw him. I didn't even know what he was doing. And he would come home late at night. So he was just this figure that disappeared and appeared, disappeared and appeared. He was the source of the money, but I never saw what he did and I didn't understand what he did. And if he said he was a clerk in the public service, what did that mean to me? He wasn't creating anything. He just went away, brought the money back and went away. But the other two people that I saw every day were making things mm. with their hands. Yeah. And, and that, now that I think of it, maybe that's what told me I could do anything with my hands. I could make anything. And, and then when I got to my teens, I lived in the same room my grandparents lived in until they died, which was adjacent to my grandfather's workshop. And so I could walk out of my bedroom into the workshop and start making anything. And I was totally distracted by the workshop. So if I was studying something in year seven and I got bored, I would go next door into the workshop, find some wood, start doing something uh, because that's what I'd observed he did for so long. So maybe I was taught that I could do anything and that's of greater value than anything else. But maybe these days the kids get handed an iPad, they get handed this, they get handed yeah. that. Where's the creativity in it? What can they manufacture with their hands? They can't. They basically buy stuff. And uh, Well, I mean, today it's, it's more like, I guess, I found Australia anyway, but like in general, everyone is like to some degree so rich that there's no 
need of becoming resourceful and um, and creative to some degree. And then when people are creative, they're getting a kit from from Kmart for five dollars to put a I don't know a crystal kit together, and that's creative or some sort. I don't know. But I think like like for me it was definitely I don't even know how that how that started, but I had always been somehow really my own strong character. But also I remember it started at school. The the first time I think that I needed to make a decision was in year eight or something, when we had to decide whether as a main focus we have economics biology techniques or french or oh, and business was there and i was literally interested in all the topics you know and i'm like why and then i remember i was in business first and this has happened so many times in my life actually and i always thought it was something that was wrong but now i'm thinking it's actually sad no one encouraged me you know because I was in this business class and then all of a sudden, no, I rather speak French. And then I, they changed me again. So then I changed again to the French course. But I would have also, would have been cool to do technique, uh, technique things as well, you know, or biology. And, and I had this kind of situations a few times in my life where I remember later where I had to choose courses. I mean, at uni it was easier because you could literally do any courses unless you made the minimum that they expected you could always just do more you know so that was good yeah a few times in my life it was like that where uh, I'm like why do I have to decide for one thing right now when I'm actually interested in a few and I think for me it was also that I possibly had enough strength to force that through and be like okay I want to try this but I also want to try that most of the time people just are they not questioning things or at least the people I went to school with no one questioned anything no one was like why why do we have to do only one thing they were like okay cool that's the options cool we're going to decide this you know well, it was even worse um, in the 60s when I went through high school they deliberately streamed you into science or humanities mm. these was these were two things where they literally analyzed what you did saw your strengths and this was the worst thing they would find their strength your strengths and direct you to your strengths not mm -hmm. your interests but your strengths yeah so but how do, how do they know your strengths anyway they don't and and in fact uh, well the, you know i was good at maths maths science chemistry physics i was really good at those things but and i never showed any proficiency at languages the only subject i have ever failed in my entire life was latin i even passed french but i failed latin and when i think back why did i fail latin probably because i couldn't see any data use for it but the french i passed and of all of the languages that i i have ever tried i can still manage to get through in french something but I travelled in France a lot. But the Latin was a useless language as far as I was concerned. So I just, if it's got no use, why did I bother? I think I found it interesting also that like pretty much in your entire school time, you're literally a scanner because you do like 20 different subjects or whatever, however many they are, you know. But then after year 10 or 
in Germany after year 10 you can do an apprenticeship or after year 12 you can go to a different school or you after 13 you can go to uni and then out of a sudden after you have done like between 10 and 13 years of scanner knowledge literally in different subjects like English, mathematics, German, French, technique, biology, chemistry and so on out of a sudden you should decide just one thing you're going to do for the rest of your life you know well, and I found this, is, this quite exactly interesting to yeah to to find something that is really so um can and you, I re yeah can you look back to certain events when you were going through school where you kind of got to a fork in the road and you didn't have the skills to choose which one to take uh, I there, there, there's been a couple in mine and, and, and the most significant one of all was when I finished matriculation back then the we had grades A's and B's and C's and D's I think if you failed I had four and there were only oh that uh, you didn't get a grading for English you either passed or failed but you didn't give your grade and then I got four B's for mathematics chemistry physics maybe there, I think there were two mathematics and because I got four B's, my father said, oh, you can go to university. Oh, that's great. Mm -hmm. um, but I had no idea what to do. So I thought about it for some time and then I went to him and said, I've worked out what I want to do. I want to be an architect, which is funny considering my daughter's now an architect. And he completely flattened that passion out of me. In one really severe and stupid move, he said, Oh, but they, they're out of work. They, there's, there's no jobs for architects. You know, that, that would be a really foolish way to, to go to university and study architecture when there's no jobs. And because I lacked confidence and he was a fairly forceful character, I said, oh, so what should I do? And he said, oh, engineers. Engineers always have jobs, really well paid, no problem. You study engineering, you will always have a job. Mm. And because of my lack of confidence, I think I probably just said, okay, that's what I'll do. And that's what I did. That was a fork in the road where I didn't have the confidence or the knowledge to follow the passion, which was architecture. So when I think back to architecture, there's a creative element, there's a technical element, there's a whole lot of things which would have suited me perfectly. And I missed the opportunity. And that meant back then committing yourself to four years full-time study to become an engineer, which I did. And because I'm, I'm that kind of character that if I take on the job, I will do the job and I mm -hmm. finished. But that was a fork in the road and I took the wrong branch. And it's taken 30, 40 years in order to suddenly discover that I have other interests and now, because I'm retired, I've gone nuts. Yeah. As you would know, because now I'm in <laughs> filmmaking. And with filmmaking, there's so many different jobs you can do. And it, it requires collaboration. And you can be sound, you can be camera, you can be an actor, you can write scripts. All of these things have to come together. So when I think about making a film, I think, well, maybe I'll do them all, which you can't do. But yeah so can you think back to a fork in the road where you didn't do what you had a passion for 
and then that kind of derailed you for a number of years before you maybe rethought um, it? Yeah, I mean, I think when it came to this job, I had such an interesting school time. I mean, it's such a scanner time in the end because it, the first thing started with this French. So then I had French for four years in the end or three, or, yeah, four, whatever. And then after that, I went to the gymnasium. So after year 10, I was on a different middle school. Then I went to the gymnasium, which would have been another three years. So I was in year 11 and I wasn't really going anywhere. Like, I mean... Just for the benefit of the Australians, gymnasium is not what we think it is, is it? No, it's, it's not somewhere where school. you do. It's a, what, what no, it's not where you do sport. No, gymnasium is like a, I don't know, where you can do your certification, literally. It's like secondary school here. Yeah, so, oh, cool. so pretty much we have primary school and then we have four different types of secondary school, if you want to. And gymnasium is one secondary school that enables you after year 13 or now they shorten it so now it's only 12 years where you can go to um, university with the other three you can't so so I was on a different school and then I had the qualification to go to the gymnasium so to the secondary school the only thing in year 11 was that literally everyone liked me but I was literally only there I think to give everyone joy because I totally failed in being good at any subject literally simply because the teachers were also not really helpful repeated e 11 but i had this bully teacher and i was literally like i was more the social bee there rather than actually i was like involved in the school committee and stuff you know and the demonstrations and things and then i went to a different school which enables you also to go to university but a different one and finished as um class best Wow. Um, had the worst grade in 10 years in school in English, then um, were best of the, um, of the year. And thought to myself, wow, if I would have any, un haven't understood anything in eight years learning English, how could I be now class best in English, you know, when everyone is, was also literally my age or a year younger. Um, and I think from then I remembered that um, I still had no idea what I was doing. Apart from everyone always said, kids love you, just do something with kids. And that I was a social person and everyone thought like I should do something social in my family. So my mom was like, why don't you do a hairdresser? Because I always liked doing cutting hair, but also just being creative. And I had this painting school with my friend um, to teach kids and adults and teenagers paint, painting and materials. Um, she said, why don't you become a hairdresser and then you can just go into the theatre, you know, and do like masking and stuff. I think I had really a problem defining myself and finding one thing to do now. So anyway, my my family from my dad's side, they asked me, well, you know, what? so what are you going to do now after? And I'm like, well, I thought like doing a hairdresser, you know, like apprenticeship. And then, and my dad, like, I remember it was Mother's Day. We went for coffee and cake for my grandmother's in this restaurant. And I remember telling my aunt, who picks all the time on me, and she would then just say in front of everyone that I want to become a hairdresser. And they just like burst in laughs and were just like, oh, we can just 
say Ushi to you, like Ushi is this kind of bogan name for being a hairdresser. And I remember leaving there and I was like, cried my ass out in my car. And I had already such an issue finding something and now my entire family was just like putting it to the ground. And my dad was actually like, why would you do this if you like, you know, a year's best finishing school with a great degree, why would you now become a hairdresser? Why wouldn't you go studying? And then my friend, Ina, back then, she wanted to become a social worker, social education, and she's like, why don't we just study that? And I'm like, sure, let's study that. So she um, sent off the application form for both of us. And then in the end, I got a spot in uni. She did. And I didn't, I couldn't care less, to be honest. And yeah, and then anyway, I studied social education and it wasn't my passion, but I, I think now afterwards I did a lot of theater and dancing and band projects. And I think today with 35, I think I would enjoy this much more than back then. But I think I still... That's such a parallel with what happened to me. Yeah, you didn't know at the then. time you you wanted to do hairdressing. You didn't see it as a negative stereotype. You saw it as no. a possibility yeah, for exactly. creativity. Yeah. And then your family flattened your yeah. belief in it, and then you did a course that you weren't really interested in, but you could get into. Yeah. And then that's that was a fork, the same fork that I got. My father flattened my my belief yeah. in in doing architecture. But I think that necessarily. I think because I lived with my mom, so it was kind of like also her idea of what I could do. I wouldn't necessarily say that this was my hard passion either to some degree, you know. So I don't, I, yeah, I don't think it was this bad in the end. But I you think, saw the hairdressing as, as, as something that might fit into theatre. It wasn't, you know, mm, running well, a hairdressing salon for the rest of your life. No, you saw it as a, no, no. As a, as a, a tool well that was kind of like her idea of what would have been good but I mean then in the end I think when I then came to Australia I definitely did not want to work with kids and teenagers anymore and I always wanted to heal with my hands you know I knew I could do something with my hands and help people um, and so then I did my massage course and I think yeah I've done this for the last eight years and that was definitely amazing so we've kind of got up to today in a way yeah it's great <laughs> But now I work a in an IT bit. company. Well, <laughs> it hasn't it hasn't ended yet. Um, so um, the journey hasn't ended, and I'm only thirty five. So but we'll we've see been what's talking for an hour, yeah. uh, and we've just scratched the surface of being a scanner. Yeah. And hopefully we've got we've got to a, a point where we've introduced the concept of scanners, and um, and hopefully people will recognize maybe similar traits in themselves and they and 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 it's our intention to make people feel that this is actually a quality and not something negative um, because how many people have been discouraged in their lives as children or whatever and never done the thing that they were passionate about with and yet that's probably the thing that they would have done the best because of all the practical reasons, earning money, a whole lot of things like that. But an artist quite often doesn't even think about it. The passion overtakes them and they do it irrespective of whether they're going to earn money or not. So there's a balance between passion and practicality and maybe that's where the scanners sit. So we're going to investigate this in our podcast and see where it goes yeah I think it also possibly 
all you lovely listeners can more, I guess, emphasize with what we're talking about and that you can find yourself um, in these conversations and that um, it encourages you to be you and live your passions and what you want to do and where you want to go and that you allow yourself to do different things that you want to do and that you're going to love and um, that you create things for yourself and the world that you that you enjoy doing. So how are we going to get in contact with our listeners? Maybe somebody out there would like to contribute to this by writing to us or asking us a question. Okay, so now we're coming to the end of our podcast, our first episode on Scanner Conversations. Um, thank you so much for listening. We really appreciate it and love to hear your feedback. So you can leave your feedback um, below the in the comments and you can also leave us a feedback of what you would like maybe of what we could cover as a topic what you would like to yeah listen to um, but also we have to, going to have an email that is um, scannerconversations at gmail.com and to send you all off in a good and amazing day week and life for the future um, I have a little quote for you um, that says, it is good to have an end to journey toward, but it is the journey that matters in the end. And who's that by? This is by Ursula Kaylee Juin. Never heard of this woman, but I think it's pretty good. Well, I think that's a great quote to finish on. And thank you for joining us. See you next time. Hear you next time as well. Absolutely. <laughs>